that before, you might take a step back and taking it at face value and say, okay, I can't do that. I can't be perfect. It's impossible for me. And that is the point. That's the point. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus is the one who can make us righteous. We read about this further in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, talking about Jesus as a priest. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. So even if you guys were to become a priest and offer a sacrifice daily, again and again, you would not be able to be perfect. That's tough. It kind of makes you slump and be like, man, ah. How am I supposed to do this? But we keep reading in Hebrews. But when this priest, who do you guys think this priest is talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Someone said it. I think you did. I think it was the pastor's kid. Of course. <laughs> so smart. Yeah. He told you? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. But we read, but when this priest, and we know it's Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his foot footstool for by one sacrifice get this by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy are you being made holy today that's awesome they are i don't know about you guys are you being made holy today i can only hope so thank you crew it's my crew i like it all right continuing on We read in Hebrews about Jesus, who is the one who helps make us perfect. The task then that we set our sights on, because we can't be perfect, we... Have you guys ever seen a dirty dirty window or a dirty mirror? And you can't quite see maybe your reflection if it's a mirror. Or if it's a dirty window, you're like, I can't, and you got to... You got a clear, maybe it's a dirty car. That's a good one too. And you can't see out the window. You have to use your wipers and to, to see through. Like a dirty car, our relationship with God can get that way. Our relationship with God becomes clouded by things that get in the way. What are these things? These things are the cares that we have in this world. These things are things like money, maybe, maybe video games. I'm looking at a few guys, and you're like, oh, man, he said video. I like video games a lot. Maybe it's a job or sugar. (laughs) Man, you're really convicting me here, buddy. Calm down. Didn't know this service was going to be so heavy. All right. The thing is, things get in the way of our relationship with God. And it is our job 
though we may not be perfect of it, to clean it. To get those things out of the way so that we can get close to God. Why is it important to get next to God? Get close to God? Because He is the one who makes us perfect. Now, you guys have friends, right? Good friends, best friends, buddies, pals. Awesome. I love that. Friends are so much fun. Now, sometimes there's things that are in the way. My buddy lives in L.A. And, you know, there's quite a few things in between us. we got to clear those things away in order to be close to each other, be near each other. And like you guys need to do, like all of us need to do, we need to clear away the stuff that gets in our way so that we can be as close to God as possible. So that we can be close to the one who makes us perfect. Those things are different for everybody. Some people, it's a, it's a job like we talked about. Some people, it's sugar. Some people, it could be a relationship. It could be something that you know is not good for you, but you love it and you want to hang on to it. These are the things we need to look at ourselves and see that. I think rest helps us do that. Because I like the analogy Eric told us last Sunday where when he's swimming, if he's trying to swim really hard, sometimes he'll start swimming away from where he wants to get. Now, if he looks up every once in a while, okay, I'm going this way and keeps going. Um, That's good. That's healthy. So when you rest, you're not working. Okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to look around. I'm going that way. That's really important. Hopefully that way is towards God and Jesus. Refocusing on Jesus. Disregarding the things that are unimportant. This I've always thought that when people say, disregard the things that are unimportant, I always thought, well, man, like, I really like a lot of these other things. I really do. Now, if it helps you, I think it would help to make a list. It helps me. Now, at the top of the list, these are your list of priorities. Uh, number one, it's Jesus, your relationship with him. Number two, for me, is my wife. I love my wife. And she is she is right up there, real close to Jesus, but Jesus first. Because if I have Jesus first, I can love my wife the best way that I possibly can and the best way possible. So that's, that's where it lies. Number three is probably my family, my friends. Four is probably my ministry, my church, my, my job. As you continue down the list, you get to things that are lower and lower, but things that you like to do, but not as important as the things like Jesus and those that you love. Now, if you find yourself spending 25% of your day on item 30, which is like YouTube videos, I mean, I'll be honest, I've been there, I've done that. But if you're there spending that, it puts things into perspective, I mean, where truly on the list is YouTube videos? That, that's kind of, it should be far down. Hopefully if it's like up here, you got to check yourself. <laughs> but that's okay. That's the whole point of, that's the whole point of a list. Now, it helps me do that. And when I think about this list, I realize that I only have a certain amount of time. I'm 28 years old. To you guys, that's probably pretty old. To you guys, pretty young. Maybe. I'm sorry. Bashing. I don't want to do that. 
But here's the thing. I had a nana, nanny. She was my great, no, great grandmother. And she lived to be 100 years old. That's old. (laughs) But when you think about 100 years, then think about a 10 year. Is anyone 10 here? Anyone 10? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, who did on the back? Put your hand down. Mm, All right. 10 years old. What's 10? What's 10 to 100 years? That's just a real small portion of it, right? But what is a hundred years compared to a thousand? Uh, the hundred-year-old would then become the ten-year-old to the hundred. Well, I'm getting confused now. All right, but get this: we're 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 continuing on. What is a thousand years compared to ten thousand years? One tenth. You're so smart. Oh my. All right. What's ten thousand to one hundred thousand? He's so smart. Good heavens. All right. What's a hundred thousand to a million? Hey, one tenth. He's got it. He's so smart. I'm gonna I'm gonna speed it up though. What's a million to a billion? I actually don't know. I think it's a tenth. <laughs> I was not prepared. Goodness. All right. So answers aside, these numbers, they go on. There's a million. There's a billion. There's a trillion. There's quadrillion. There's quintillion. Did you say that? Did you know? They know this. How do, how do you know this? I have to write it down. All right, well, it keeps going. Quint, quintillion, I skipped a few because it just it goes forever. There's quintillion, septillion, octillion, decillion, centillion, googleplex. I did not make that up. That is an actual mathematical term. And if you don't believe me, you can Google it. Google it. That, that was just a word. Um, anyways, let's keep going. All right. But why am I saying all these numbers? You're like, yeah. <laughs> Why are you saying all these numbers? What are all of these numbers compared to eternity? Nothing. They're nothing. Nothing. A hundred years? Nothing. A million years? Nothing. Billion? Nothing compared to eternity. Isn't that interesting? Let's not forget on your list of priorities make Jesus first because what does Jesus hold in his hand he holds eternity isn't that amazing we're talking about palm sunday today right you guys might be like oh that's right yeah we're talking about palm sunday i guess the truth The truth of the matter is I want you guys to know where your priorities lie. It's not a matter of saying like, hey, nothing else matters. Jesus only, nothing else matters. That's not the case. Everything else matters. But it's Jesus first because he holds the power of life and death. Wow. Now we're going to (laughs) read. Now we're going to get to the point. 
before we do, um, let's pray before we read these scriptures. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I pray that you'd open our eyes, open our ears, so that we hear, so that we see what you want us to hear and see. Jesus, we love you. Help us to understand your words with a better understanding than what we came in with. Amen. In, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Luke chapter 19. Turn there, if you please. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Luke 19, 28. Little Johnny. Little Johnny was sick. And... Little Johnny was sad because it was Palm Sunday and he loved Palm Sunday and and yet he forgot what it was all about. But he couldn't make it because he was sick and it was really tragic. So he stayed home. Now it was all right. His parents came back from Palm Sunday holding palm branches. And little Johnny was like, "What what are those palm branches for?" And the dad sought to explain it to his son, saying, Little Johnny, they waved these palm branches in front of Jesus as he walked by, and they laid it at the feet of Jesus as he walked by. And little Johnny crossed his hands and said, Wouldn't you know it? The one Sunday that I don't go and Jesus shows up. Hmm. The point of that story is don't be like little Johnny. Don't miss. Don't miss Jesus. Anyways, let's read because it's good to stay with Scripture. Right. Yeah. All right. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Read with me. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. I like that. I like that so much. Did you know that the Lord needs you just as he needed that jack, um, that uh, donkey? <clears throat> I was close. <clears throat> but the thing is, Jesus needs you. Not out of necessity, but out of desire. Jesus needs you, not out of necessity, but out of desire. I need my wife. Not out of necessity. I'm still a functioning human being. I can feed myself. Sort of. (laughs) Maybe more of a necessity there. I can clothe myself. and Once again, sort of. (laughs) Because she'll be the one who says, like, are you really wearing that? (laughs) Are you really going to wear Crocs with socks? It's not a good look for you, hon. (sighs) But the thing is, I need her. Because I love her. And Jesus needs you. Because he loves you. I love that. But let's keep reading. 
in verse 32. Read with me. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. Isn't that just the case? (laughs) What Jesus said happened. What do you know? Verse 33, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Boy, did that shut up the mouths of the Pharisees. The last thing they wanted is for Jesus to do another miracle. And I'm not sure what went through the minds of the Pharisees because they saw Jesus do miracles. They saw Jesus heal a man who had a withered hand. And it became a fully functioning hand again. You guys ever done this? Just do this for a second. It's kind of cool. Like you can point. You can do numbers. That's kind of fun. I like that. But this man couldn't use his hand. And then, yeah, that's good. I like that. This man couldn't use his hand until he met Jesus. Then he could. The Pharisees saw Jesus heal a man who could not see The Pharisees saw Jesus heal a man who could not walk. The Pharisees saw Jesus call to a man who was dead and say, hey, come back alive. And that was Lazarus, as we know. So you can can betcha that when he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You can betcha that if Jesus said it, the Pharisees believed it. I'm actually bummed that that didn't happen because we would have experienced the first rock music. <laughs> uh, oh, all right, all right, we'll move on. All right. <clears throat> I think the problem the Pharisees had with Jesus is that they had expectations about what they thought their Messiah needed to be. And Jesus did not meet those expectations. The Pharisees would be thinking back to a man named Judas Maccabees. And Judas Maccabees was a man who rose up and liberated the temple from a wicked Syrian king. And in celebration, they waved palm branches as he did a triumphant entry and cleansed the temple. Now I'll be honest. I probably would have wanted the same thing. Maybe you guys want something different from the world of politics today. I tend to think the Pharisees thought the same. I don't want this guy leading us. Or I want this guy leading us. 
Or I want this girl to be in public office. I want this girl to kind of step up and do this. And it's not what, it's not happening the way you want. I tend to think the same way the Pharisees did. I think in that way. And I'll be honest, taking a step away, this is kind of just a fun light. Um, if I were Jesus, the Son of God, riding in on what will become known on a day that will be the triumphant entry, I think that I would want to make it with a little more spazzazz, you know? Like, wow, right. But Jesus rode a donkey. Um, I have a couple pictures that were, are portraying a triumphant entry, if we could throw the first one up. I don't know if you can see, but this is etched in stone. A man in armor riding a chariot with four like powerful horses riding it. Like That would be more of a triumphant entry. If not this one, perhaps uh, another one. Let's go to the next picture. I don't know if you can see in this picture, there's a chariot being pulled by an elephant. That is cool. Oh my, I like that a lot. That is pretty sweet. If if you don't picture it as this, maybe you would picture it as uh, the next picture. That oh oh wow, oh huh. That's a uh, oh my. Okay, uh, that I think that's Eric. Eric, you're riding a unicorn. What? My. My, well, that is pretty triumphant. Well, okay. Well, maybe, maybe not this one. Maybe, what about this other one? I think, uh, oh, wow. Oh, Jeff. Oh, my. Wow. I think that's Jeff. It appears he's riding a great white shark holding a trident. Wow. Okay. That's, that's great. I like that. Well, Okay, we better get rid of that. That's uh, Yeah, that'll be distracting for me. Okay, that's better. Whew. Oh, all right. Now, needless to say, I have different ideas of what a triumphant entry might need to be. And maybe you guys are the same. <laughs> I guess the thing that I'm guilty of, along with the Pharisees, and I think maybe a few of you would agree, is that along with so many others, I have expectations. And probably unrealistic expectations at that. This this word, expectations, it's it's kind of damaging. It can be damaging in relationship, in relationships, especially with regards to Jesus. Because you might have expectations as to what Jesus is supposed to do with your life. Jesus, I'm expecting you to do this with my life. I expect you to do this with my life. And unmet expectations become disappointments. And I'm sure there's a few of you out there who've been disappointed in your life before. Expectations become alluring pictures of what we feel needs to happen. And in the minds of the Pharisees, what needed to happen was not happening. So instead of tearing apart their expectations of what Jesus needed to be, they began to tear apart the man Jesus Himself. And I want to ask you guys, where do you reside 
on the coin of expectations? Are you the type of person when confronted with another that you have expectations? Oh, this guy's going to be really cool. And then you meet them in person and it's just like, you're not what I expected you to be. Do you tear up your expectations? Or do you tear up that person? You need to be this. You need to be that. I, I was not expecting that from you. Where do you reside on the coin of expectations? Now, I'm a real guy with real thoughts. And I like to think of myself, I like to think of the disciples as real guys with real thoughts and put myself in their situation. On a lighter note, you know, the disciples were thinking at the time, um, Jesus wants to ride a donkey into the town. You know, I've never, I've, I've never seen Jesus ride a donkey into town. You know, I wonder why he needs to do that. Um, and if I tend to think of the disciples as maybe slightly slower, <laughs> because they're just they're your fishermen, and I mean they're not scholars, but. You know, I, I tend to think the same way they do, and it's maybe a little bit slower. It probably was only later that they realized that Jesus riding in on a donkey had some serious, uh, s- serious meaning. And it's probably only later that they read Zechariah nine nine. Let's go ahead and read that now. If you're unfamiliar with where Zechariah is, actually just a few books before Luke, um, one of the last books in the Old Testament. Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9. And so when Jesus asked, I need you to go get this donkey and bring it to me. It's never been ridden. They'd probably be thinking, Jesus, you're a little bit, a little bit weird, you know. I don't know why you're doing this. But they probably had an aha moment when they were confronted with the scripture let's read Zechariah 9 9 rejoice greatly daughter Zion shout daughter Jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey there's no doubt There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus understood the hype that was surrounding him. So he made sure that they knew who he was. And that was a humble Savior. Jesus didn't ride in on a chariot. Jesus didn't ride in on a regal, elephant-pulled majesty ride. (laughs) Jesus came in on a donkey. Humble. And he wanted to make sure that people knew that I'm not here to conquer. I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to be humble and win the fight in a way that you did not see coming. The Jews wanted a conquering king. That was their expectation. But Jesus came as a suffering servant. Jesus didn't focus His attention on the Roman leaders. He focused on the Jewish religious leaders. He didn't try to clean out the royal palace. Rather, He cleaned out the temple. Jesus was the Messiah. 
God's anointed Redeemer. And He came not to redeem the nation of Israel alone. As Jesus' plan unfolds, we began to see the magnitude of it. Jesus wasn't just trying to accomplish this. And then you're like, you see another facet. Jesus was trying to accomplish this too. And then you see another. And and Jesus was trying to accomplish this too. And this and this. And it just keeps going. Because he's the master chess player. I love thinking of God as this master chess player. And that no matter where we move our piece, he always has another move ready to make sure that we are fulfilling his will, his ultimate perfect will. God came to redeem us as Jesus, and Jesus came to redeem us from sin. This sin is the wedge that separates us from God. This sin is the clutter that is in front of us, separating us from the one who makes us perfect. Where am I at? Jesus came to pay something, pay a price that we couldn't pay. And we have him to thank for that. He came to pay a price by dying on that cross. And the people who were shouting praises, saying, Hosanna, save now, waving palm branches. Hosanna, save us. Save, save. They did not realize how He was going to save them. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of scholars believe that the very same people who were crying out, Hosanna, save now, praise God. Praise Him who comes in the name of the Lord. The very same people who cried that shouted, crucify Him just a couple days later because of their unmet expectations. You were not the person that I thought you were going to be. We have a tough question to answer today. Do we embrace the expectations and demands of God? saying, I will only follow you as long as you meet these needs. As long as you give me the job that I want. As long as you give me that girl to marry. As long as you give me that guy to marry. This would be girls talking, obviously. But we lay these things out in front of God and we're like, I won't follow you unless you do these things. Or do we lay our expectations down and follow Him as the disciples did? Because there are the Pharisees and the disciples. And the Pharisees were like, okay, what's Jesus doing today? And yet the disciples would be like, what's Jesus doing today? Similar, but different. And it resides in your heart. You might find yourself saying, God, I'm heartbroken right now. I'm going through an extremely tough situation. People in my life have died. People in my life have left me. I'm alone. But I will follow you. These are the hard things. But the good things, nonetheless. 
Because if we decide to follow God, we're not only choosing a life of blessing, but a life where we have someone who's going to help us. Christianity is not a belief that gives you an easy life. It's not. It's harder in some cases because now you have a target. That's an enemy now. The ruler of this world is Satan. And he looks at you who know Jesus and he says, that's my enemy and I want to destroy them. But we have God who overcame this world by doing what he did. Now, this choice that we have to make today, and I'll end with this. Do we embrace our expectations of Jesus? Or do we embrace Jesus and the life that He has for us today? If Jesus is the only true source of life and purpose in this broken world, then what choice really do we have other than to praise Jesus? But the beauty of this moment is not that. The beauty of this moment is that there is a choice. Without Jesus, we weren't going to a good place. Without Jesus, we don't have a choice. We have no choice in the matter. But now we have a decision. We choose Jesus or we choose ourselves. What are we going to choose today? Jesus, I hope. But that's your decision. Um, I'm going to pray and have the worship team come up in a moment. But if you feel like you want Jesus, there will be a few people standing that will help lead you in that decision. I don't know every one of you, but Jesus does. And that's pretty radical. And He wants you. Not out of necessity, but out of love. And I want you to. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You so much for this morning. I often want Sunday mornings to be lighthearted, fun. Maybe you get a laugh from time to time, but occasionally you take it to a place where we have to make a decision. And that's hard. That's not easy. But Lord, for whatever reason, for the only reason, I pray that You'd help us just to be in that mindset where we need You. We feel we need You. Help us just to focus on refocusing, clearing away the clutter so that we can see You. And if we don't know You, help us just to begin that path of knowing You on a deeper level. Thank You for this beautiful Palm Sunday. I'm so blessed to start off this Easter week, the greatest holiday for us Christians, Lord. Your promise is fulfilled. No other one did that except You. So Jesus, as we go throughout our day, help us just to think about this and ponder this. Maybe reach out to those who don't know You. And just shower everyone around us with your love. So Jesus, I thank you for that. And I pray this in your name. Amen. I'll be down here. If you guys feel you need to pray, Eric, if you would, we'll be to the right. And let's worship.